Running Light Ministry Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. You can support these podcasts by making a gift to the ministries at runninglight.org. Welcome to the Better Pleasure Podcast. My name's Bo. I'm Peter. And we are here to talk about the Bible and uh, how it relates to uh, things of sex and our culture, and especially things like pornography and just all the things that we deal with in the world today. Mm. It's always fun to talk about these things with you, man. Yeah. I totally, totally appreciate it. (laughs) Me too, for sure. (laughs) You know, it's good stuff. You know, these podcasts, um, I find um, I learn so much in them too. You know, I don't know if you find it too, where we kind of talk about all these subjects and I kind of think, man, dude, these are, these are good stuff for me too. I mean, it's, (laughs) it's awesome. And me and Peter are ministers, but we also admit that we are ministers that do find that our hearts are pulled towards, uh, sinful inclinations, um, arrogance, pride, greed, lust, um, we certainly have battled uh, pornography in our life, and we still continue to do so. Mm. Um, uh, that's for sure. Um, there is one day that uh, we're just never going to have to deal with sin ever again, Peter. <laughs> you know, that would be pretty awesome. Yeah, it would be awesome, wouldn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I know. Um, you know, I love uh, Pascal. I was telling you that I was reading some of him uh, once again, and uh, let me try to find. Um, some of these quotes that I just love so much from this guy. They're way cool. It'll take me a minute to find them. But, <laughs> but in the meantime, why don't you tell us about, or this is cool. Check this out. It says, true religion teaches our duties and our incapacities. Hmm. And I li- uh, just that alone is kind of cool to think about. True religion teaches our duties, things that we should strive to be to be like, but it also teaches our incapacities. Hmm. So our, the inability to do such a thing, Hmm. you know, in, I don't know how many people that listen to our podcast read C.S. Lewis, but in his, his just all time great book, Mere Christianity, he has in the latter chapters, if you ever don't read the whole book, you're never going to get there. <laughs> but if you get to the, the latter section of the book, he has a chapter basically on Jesus saying, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Mm. And he does a little talk on it. And, and it is all about, that means what it says. That's what he g- gets at is, is that even though you can't achieve it, he is not going to stop working on you until you are perfect. Hmm. And so as a Christian, when you feel like, man, you are being hounded by God and God won't let you go. He won't let you just, he won't let you just be complacent with your lust or your greed or your arrogance or your pride. Um, It is because you asked the holy, true and living God to come into your life. And what what do you expect from a perfect being Hmm. other than a loving perfect being uh, other than his desire to make you holy (laughs) and pure and fully mature? And so he is going to just go to town Hmm. on your life. And I, I always like that. So the Pascal quote reminds me of that. It's like, we have duties, but we also understand our incapacities. Now, he defines them as pride and lust. And and he says the remedies against them, humility, which is against pride, hmm. and then mortification, which is against lust. Really radical. Hmm. Probably, I'm sure we could talk about that for the podcast, but pride is one that, that you've been kind of talking about lately. Yeah. So in the, uh, the, the Tuesday group that we do with the, with purity and sexual purity, we usually go through the setting captives free course, but every now and then when I'm studying something or God's really like bringing something up in my life, sometimes we'll do like a little departure and, uh, we'll do like a little study in some other area. And so I, I, uh, I feel like God's been really working in my life. I'm kind of like the roots of a lot of my issues um, and so I've been talking to the men about sin 
like what is it where does it come from and uh, what's the root of it and and what does it develop in our lives and the more you start fighting the stuff in your in your life whether it be lust envy greed jealousy um, whatever vanity what the bible says is that those things as bad as they are they're actually just fruit of something worse that there's there's something worse rooted in you that's making you do those things that's causing the growth of these things and in c.s lewis's book mere christianity he says the essential vice the utmost evil is pride unchastity anger greed drunkenness and all that are merely flea bites in comparison it was through pride that the devil became the devil pride leads to every other vice it is the complete anti-god state of mind mm. so that's that's what C.S. Lewis said about what pride is. And the Bible is actually a little bit even, I would say, a little more severe. This is James chapter 4, verse 1. He says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure, that war in your members? You're, you lust and you do not have. You murder and covenant cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. So James, when he's saying, where do, where do wars come from? Where's poverty come from? Where does racism come from? Where does sexism come from? Where does pornography come from? Where does everything that's wrong with the world, where does it come from? He says, doesn't it come from your desires? So what he's saying is if you, we, we as human beings want to look at what's wrong with the world, we have to look no further than the mirror, right? There's something rooted in me that's so evil, that's so wicked, that's so bad that it gives rise to everything that's the matter with the world. Mm. And if we as Christians don't accept that, if we don't embrace that, the Bible says that we're actually beyond help, you know, because God says he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so we have to accept the fact that what Christianity teaches is not that we struggle with sin. Christianity says that you're a sinner and there's a distinction, right? Struggling with sin would mean that you sometimes mess up. Struggling just alone gives the idea of you're re trying to resist something. That's right. Right? That's right. So there's something foreign coming at you and you're trying to resist it. Mm -hmm. What the Bible says and the distinction is, is that your very nature is selfish and proud. That's mm. what's rooted in you. We are born sinners. It's the doctrine of original sin. And what that means is that we're kind of living in occupied territory, if you want to put it that way. Mm. And until you get rid of this dictator, until this, this root gets pulled out of your life, all the fruit that's coming out of your life is not going to mean a thing. You, know, you can get rid of all the fruit if you wanted to, but if pride remains, you're still in really bad shape. You know, and you're still no closer to God. In fact, you might get a little further from God. That's why C.S. Lewis says later on in his book, he says, better to be a prostitute than a Pharisee, but better still to be neither. Right. You know, so he's saying, yeah. he's not saying being a prostitute is good, but what he's saying is at least a prostitute, she's got lust and stuff, and that's kind of main, mainly her issue. She's got pride, but lust is like the fruit that's really driving her life right now. But for the Pharisee, all he's got is pride. Yeah, and most and most prostitutes know something's wrong. Yeah, <laughs> you know most most women that are that are around the world that have to prostitute themselves because most most women that are prostituting themselves in the on the globe hmm. aren't doing it like uh, in a porn industry that's regulated you know, in the United States or Europe or Germany, you know, and things like that in a, mm -hmm. in a, in a first world kind of economic, socioeconomic system. Most prostitutes, you know, in China, India, Africa, populated places in the world, you know, they know this isn't where they want to be. Mm. This isn't what they want to do. So there's a humility already kind of wired in of yeah. just like, man, I stink, yeah. you know, where the Pharisee goes, man, I'm religious and righteous and, yeah. and great and proud. Yeah. Yeah. I have, I have even, uh, I'm sure you, you've maybe spoken to people too. I've spoken to two people who were prostitutes and one person who was in prostitution at the time that I spoke with her and not a single one of them thought that they were awesome. You know, none of them were like, yo, I'm like the best person ever, you know, and if the rest of the world were like me, the world would be amazing. You know, yeah. they, they definitely knew that there was something wrong with them.
And uh, that's that's another point that we can come to when it comes to pride. Pride, a, a danger with pride is that it is adaptable to whatever circumstance you're in. Mm. So pride adapts to whatever situation you're in. If you're in a situation where you are, you know, deep in pornography, pride's working. But it's working in a different way than if you were a Pharisee, right? Because even if you're spending your whole life just being like, I suck, I'm the worst, this is terrible, I can't believe what kind of person I am, I'm a pervert, you're still spending all your time thinking about you, which the Bible would call pride, right? All pride is is self-focus. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if that focus is positive or negative. So pride is so adaptable, and that's what makes it so dangerous. It could adapt to any climate, any situation, any circumstance. Jonathan Edwards says this, spiritual pride is the main spring or at least the main support for all other sin. Until this disease is cured, medicines are applied in vain to heal all other diseases. Mm. So what Edwards is saying is like, unless, unless that root is attacked, all your other, all your other sins, you could get free from them if you want, but it's not going to do you any good. And Paul says the exact same thing in Colossians chapter two. Where he says, do not some teach, do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things regarding the flesh and have the appearance of religion and wisdom and self-imposed uh, imposed religion, but they are of no value in conquering the flesh. So Paul even admits that. He says, dude, unless you deal with this main root, unless you get, get done with it, you're kind of, you're kind of uh, screwed. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Hopefully people are, you know, uh, hopefully you're in your life and you're, you, you kind of, this is this rings true. This is another Blaise Pascal quote. It says, It is true that there is difficulty in entering upon the pious or the holy life, but this difficulty does not come from the piety which is beginning to exist within us, but from the impiety which is still there. Hmm. What I find in my life, Peter, is that there is a wrestling. There is always a wrestling, hmm. you know, when I think I'm doing good, you know, the Bible's so true. Take heed lest you think you stand. Pride, yeah. right? That lest you think you stand, you know, like you quoted um, C.S. Lewis talking about Ezekiel 28, where Satan takes pride in his own beauty. Mm. You know, take heed lest you think you stand. And so many times in the fight of pornography, you know, there's always the stories of like, hey, I went six months, I went two months, I went five days, uh, I went eight months and, and I, and you know, and then you bail and, and so you th there's always that attitude of like, man, dude, like I was doing so good, you know, <laughs> I was just, I was jamming and, and, and I think, I, I think, you know, that sometimes that pride works in us in weird ways, mm. you know, where it, it stems in us in weird ways. Um, and it just, you know, when we fall, when we stumble or, we kind of get upset and it can be in small stumbling too. It doesn't mean that you're going to the big porn websites online. It's like, you might not be hitting those anymore. But what I find in my life, if I can just share real honestly, hmm. is that it's not, which I love to do. <laughs> no, which I don't love to do. Believe me, I don't want to, yeah. but uh, everything in me says, don't, you know, you, your life's on the line, your work's on the line, your, you know what I mean? Everything's on the line. Um, but I, I know, I, I, I sense biblically that it's the right thing to do. And I think like the prophets of old, um, there's something in the prophetic message and messenger mm. that, you know, things are right and need to be said. Um, though, you know, you are under the same judgment to which you share mm. and, um, and there's a reluctancy to do it, yeah. you know, and I, so I, I come trembling in those, in that way. And when I share, but, uh, for me, it's, it, it can be, it can be not going back to say, you know, the big porn hubs or the big w websites that are out there that are just known and huge and popular and everything like that. But it, it's, it's just the, the, the things that catch my eye or the things that aren't so maybe risky or things that aren't so maybe deemed more normal or th things like that, or, um, or it can even be simply sometimes even reading the Bible mm. um, and some of the sensuality that's in the Bible mm. that can tip me off. And I know that's radical to people. People think that and they go, whoa, Bo, that's, that's hardcore, you know, but the Bible has a lot of sensuality in it. 
and it's got a really hardcore stuff in there. Mm. Um, and when you have your brain that's been, you know, I think you've ha saturated it with stuff that's that's not good for a long period of time, or for any period of time for that matter. Sometimes, sometimes even even biblical things can can you you know you have to you have to make sure you're seeing it all in context, mm. you know, in the right way. Um, but um, but those things can cause you to stumble. And then there's that wrestling of of pride mm. of you know that wrestling of you know gosh do I want to share about this? I'm tired of sharing. Mm. Um, you know what I mean? I'm tired of going over this mm. over and over and over again. You know? Yeah. You know, you know, do you know what I'm talking about? I do know what you're talking about, man. And that's, that's why pride again is so, it's so dangerous. It's so deadly to us because it's just, you know, screw tape letters, I think exemplify this probably better yeah. than any other work that C.S. Lewis ever did. But what, you know, those who haven't read the screw tape letters, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a pretend letter that C.S. Lewis made up between uh, one demon trying to get advice from his uncle, who's like a you know senior demon yeah. on how to get this guy. Yeah. And like no matter what the dude does, the uncle's like awesome. You know, like you could you could twist in this way. So when he's like in the world, the uncle's like all right, awesome, and flame these desires. And then when he's going to church, his uncle's like great. You know, have him be annoyed by people sitting around him, have him do this, have him do that. And so no matter where he's at, you see that kind of like that adaptability of pride of how he can get you no matter what you do. Mm -hmm. And um, the the worst thing that it does to us is it actually keeps us away from God. And, and this is another quote from C.S. Lewis. He says, as long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you were looking down, you can't see anything that's above you. <laughs> this raises a terrible question. How is it that people who are quite obviously eaten up with pride can say they believe in God and appear to themselves to be very religious? I'm afraid it means that they are worshiping an imaginary God. They are theoretically admitting to themselves to be nothing in the presence of this phantom God, but are really all the time imagining how he approves of them and thinks them far better than ordinary people. And I'll say it, it works both ways. And let me explain. So with what Bo was talking about, about, um, you know, falling to sin and, and just that, that dejection that hits us when we feel like, man, I suck, I'm terrible, or like I'll never change, or I don't want to tell anyone about this because I'm tired of confessing it. The root of that is actually pride because probably, not all of you, right? We are, we are um, it's very important to understand that when you become Christian, right? Ephesians 4, I mean, uh, 2 Corinthians 5 says, old things have passed away, behold, all things become new. Right. In Ephesians four, God has created a new man in us. Right. So it's not that all of me is proud, but there's a part of me that certainly is that my old fleshly sinful nature is eaten up with it. And yes, God has created a new nature in me that's fighting that. But it's still it's still there in conflict. It's in conflict. And and what Lewis is getting at is like when I start feeling those ways of dejection and stuff, could it be? that one of the reasons I was trying to get free from pornography was to satisfy my own righteous conscience. And so when I feel so dejected, I feel so bad, maybe it's not because I feel bad that I sinned against God, but maybe it's because I feel bad that I let myself down, you know, and I don't want to have to deal with the consequences. Because if it really was about God, you know, if it really was about me sinning against him and that's why I'm upset, that's really why I'm upset, well, it says in the Bible that, you know, if you if you sin, First John, it says confess your sins to him and he's faithful and just to forgive you. So if it really was about I really feel bad about sinning against God, then what the Bible would tell me to do is just like Micah does in Micah chapter 7. I would go before God and I would say, man, I messed up. I'm so sorry. Uh, you know, can you forgive me? And then you would receive the forgiveness that God bought for you on the cross and you would move on. Yeah. But if you don't go to God and confess after you fall, that's probably because you're not actually sad that you sinned against him, that you're actually more sad that you sinned against yourself. And if you do confess to God and you still don't feel that forgiveness, if you're still just like, but I know I'm a terrible person, that means that your word, your conscience is actually screaming louder than God's word because mm. God says you're forgiven. You know, and if you contend with the creator of all things, what is that but pride? Yeah. And I think another another practical way to defeat or to to work on pride, because to defeat pride is a is a a forever on this planet um, goal. Yeah. But you know, amputation is one of those two. 
that the more I cut off stuff, the more I'm showing people around me that I am not able to have these things in my life. And for those of us that have struggled with the Babylonian culture that we live in of sex, you know, as a commodity, um, capitalism on steroids, right? Where we sell everything. Hmm. We even sell sex and we're for it, you know, <laughs> which is crazy, Yeah. you know, but it makes a ton of money. And so we can sell it, export it, do what we, you know, it's just so sad. Hmm. Um, you know, um, but trying to, um, you know, to cut these things up, avenues off, um, creates in us certainly a humility amongst people. I've always appreciated your story because, you know, you were one of those guys who, you know, didn't have cable, you know, you were single, you said, hey, forget cable, forget internet, you went to an old phone, um, you really, you know, sh you know, through that, y y that's a, that was a humble walk because people could easily... You know, you know, they say, hey, can I come over to your house? We'll watch some TV. You're like, oh, I don't really have TV here. You know, uh, I'll send you this link so you can watch it on YouTube. Oh, I don't have a, a smartphone. You know, um, so you were right in the, in, you know, kind of making your stance publicly, hmm. you know, to your peers. Um, and that's, that's cool. I think that's, that's pretty awesome. You know, someone wanted me to go to a website the other day. Um, it, it's actually a, a Christian website. Um, it's called, um, I think it was called porn-free.org. It's, it's a Christian ministry that's, you know, studies and stuff. Um, and it was funny because my, my system kept blocking it, and I couldn't <laughs> figure out why. I was like, man, why is my system blocking this and then i and then it hit me like oh it has the word porn in it <laughs> you know and uh and that's why it was blocking because i just figured oh it's a christian website you know i didn't even think like it was you know then i thought oh man well, okay so i had to tell him like i can't <laughs> i can't go to the site yeah you know um yeah that type of thing but no those are humbling some you know whenever you do that yeah it's absolutely humbling because what's keeping me away from God and what's keeping me away from help is because I don't want to admit that I need help. Yeah. You know, which is why every religion that man has ever conceived is wrapped in pride. You know, that's why every other religion other than Christianity says, if you do this or you do that, then you can have salvation. And even, yeah. even if I were to tell someone like, Oh, you know, the reason why I got saved from porn, you know, not just saved from my sins and all that stuff, but the way that I got out of porn was because, you know, I did this methodology, I used this technique, I tried really hard. I guess I'm just I guess I'm just better than most people and that's why I got free and other people aren't. When the truth is is that by the grace of God, right? That's what Paul says in First Corinthians fifteen. He says, Not I, but the grace of God in me work to accomplish these things. So to admit that it's the grace of God means that I need to walk in the graces that God has given me. And walking in the graces that God has given me day to day is going to be a humbling experience. And those graces include amputation. About saying, like, I'm just too weak to handle this. You know, amputation is not a sign of strength. It's a sign of severe weakness. You know, I would love to be able to just have unfiltered internet in my house and for it not to be a problem. And, you know, it doesn't mean that I'm so, like, into porn that if I had unfiltered internet in my house, I would view it every day. But it means that if I had unfiltered internet in my house, it would be a battle. It'd be a fight. I know that. And I would probably lose that battle some of the times. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, I just don't want to deal with it. So I've, I've cut it out of my life. I've moved it apart, which again, makes me look very weak in front of my wife, in front of my family, in front of other people. But maybe that weakness is exactly what I need. You know, Habakkuk 2, verse 4 through 5 says, Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. 
Indeed, because he transgresses by wine, he is a proud man. He does not stay at home because he enlarges his desire as hell, and he is like death and cannot be satisfied. He gathers to himself all nations and heaps up for himself all peoples. So what Habakkuk says is that the, the primary difference between someone who is proud and someone who is saved is the just shall live by faith. Right? It's a trusting in God. It's a trusting in a power greater than myself. That's what sets me free. Trusting in yourself is just another form of pride. Because if you trust in yourself and you get free, then the only person you could thank is you. You know, so how could that not lead to pride? Yeah. And when you think about, you know, wanting to really set your mind as a Christian on, on God and get out of a lustful culture, everything we do, reading the Bible, is a sign of weakness. Meaning we, we know we need to drink of the living water. Um, we know that repentance, seeking a repented heart daily. God, help me to have a repented heart. Help me to be sorrowful for my sins uh, because of my relationship with you. Help you be the reason um, for my sorrow. Um, you know, that's a sign of weakness. You know, accountability is a sign of weakness. Mm. Um you know, cutting off avenues of sin is a sign of weakness. I mean, you go down the list of things that the Bible talks about all the time, and they're all signs of weakness. You know, so living the Christian life is really a, is really a, the sign of weakness on our part. We are we are humans that are obviously incapable of of walking right but by the grace of God mm-hmm. that uh, we need daily. And it is these these gifts. And if they're a gift, then I can't boast in it. Obviously, I can't be prideful in it because it's a gift. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and, 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 you know, and uh, that should be happening in everybody's life, in every Christian's life. I can't imagine it not, because these are just Christian principles throughout the whole Bible. Mm. Um, every book of Paul is written with these kind of ideas in them, mm. or you know. So, I had a, I was thinking, what prevents, say, say a husband stumbles again, right? And he stumbles in the sense of he he goes to a porn site and he does self-gratify. And he says to his wife, man, honey, I I biffed it. And, you know, I did that. She and he, you know, she's like, oh, man, dude, you blew it again. You know, I don't trust you. I'm not, you know, let down, you know, these type of things. You know, for eight months, you did so good. You were jamming for eight months, and then, man, you blew it, and now I'm bummed. I don't know what to do, you know, that kind of thing. You know, what is what is preventing that that spouse of that man from, from acting a different way? Is it pride? Mm. I would say, yeah. And uh, let me explain. Pride is so so self-focused that pride says that the reason why I have the life that I have is because I deserve it. That's what's coming to me. I deserve it. It is a it is a complete anti-grace viewpoint on the world, and especially in our culture where we live in a capitalistic culture. You know, let me let me take it away from a, a spiritual point of view, so you guys can hopefully see what I'm talking about. Then I'll move it back into a spiritual point of view. You know, if I am living in my you know in my house. And I have, you know, my wife and I have, you know, we have our mortgage paid off and, and we're doing good and I have my job. Deep down in the center of me, I believe the reason why those things have happened is because I worked hard and I made it happen. You know, I, I worked hard. I went to school. Now I'm working my butt off, you know, 40 hours a week. My wife's working. That's why we have these things. And because of that, what happens to me is when I hear somebody is poor, my heart doesn't break. And the reason why it doesn't break is because deep down, I believe the reason why they're poor is because they deserve it, right? They made bad decisions. They made bad choices. They didn't make the choices that I make. You know, they're, they're not doing the things that I did. Therefore, they're poor. 
Now, sometimes people are poor because of very bad decisions. I'm not saying that's not true. But you'd be, you'd be totally dishonest to say that every person who's poor is because of bad decisions. You know, some people are poor because that's all they know. You know, it was grace that I grew up in a household that taught me how to use my money well, right? I didn't decide to do that. I didn't wake up and say, hey, you know, God, I want to be born in America as opposed to the third world. And I want to have parents that are going to teach me about money. You know, I didn't ask that. God gave me that. If I were to grow up in India, I'd be poor. If I were to grow up in, you know, Mexico or any, if I were to grow up in any other, you know, even bad parts of Tucson, you know, the south side of Tucson, I'd be poor. I'd be impoverished. I would have no idea how to use my money because no one had ever taught me otherwise, you know. But because I have pride in me and because I refuse to believe that what was given to me was grace, I cannot have compassion on those who are struggling in different ways than me because I have to believe it was me who did it. And by the way, that pride works both ways because the poor person can feel like they could either feel like I'm entitled to better and thus they get an entitlement mentality of like, I shouldn't have to work. I shouldn't have to change my life. I shouldn't have to do this. I shouldn't have to do that. People should just provide for me and support me and I could get PO'd at the government. That's pride. Or I could just be dejected and be like, yeah, it is my bad decisions that got me here and therefore that's why I'm poor. And when people try to give me handouts, I'm like, I don't need handouts. You know, don't, don't patronize me. Don't do this, man. You know, and, and people are trying to help me. They're like, dude, you can get out of homelessness. Yeah. The situation I'm like, you know, don't put your trip on me, man. I, I live the way I want to live and I do the thing I want to do. That's still pride, you know, working in you. And so I I'm hoping that by putting it that way, everyone listening can kind of understand what I mean. Now let's take it back into that spiritual context. Why is it that the wife finds it so hard to give grace to her husband it's because deep down the wife believes that the reason why she is sexually pure is because she is better that she's earned that that's like i never cheated on you i never viewed pornography i've never masturbated while we've been married and that's because i make an effort not to you know that's why i make an effort not to this is what i do blah 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 you know and and you must not care as much as i care you must not care as much about the sanctity of our marriage and our marriage bed as I do. Because if you did, you wouldn't be struggling this way. Right? Now, again, that sounds right. You know, you, if you're listening to this, you might be like, but that's right. You know, he must not. Because if he cared, he wouldn't be falling. Well, how do you know that? Once again, using the example of the rich person and the poorest person, how do you know that? Are there examples of men who are in pornography and they're falling because they don't care. Absolutely. I'm not going to blanket statement and say every single person, if your husband's struggling with porn, that's not a result of him not trying. Some, sometimes it is. Sometimes they can be like that poor person who's like, who are you to put your trip on me? Right. I'm going to do what I want. I don't care. Right. Sometimes they can be that way. But how do you know that it's not just because their flesh bends that way in a way that your flesh does not? You know, and maybe you struggle with things that he doesn't, you know, maybe it's different. And me and my wife, yeah. by the way, talk about this all the time mm. where, you know, my wife has never looked at me and been like, I can't believe you struggle that way. You know, because we both understand that we have struggles that the other one doesn't. And my wife has struggles that I just don't have. And in the, in your analogy, it would be wrong for, let me kind of get this in my head, right? But it seems like it would be wrong if the ability to work is a gift of God. Then you can't boast in the ability to work. Yeah. Like Deuteronomy 8 says that even the ability to labor is a gift from God. That's what it says in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8. Read it. Yeah. It's a gift of God. So... If, if it's a gift of, for me to produce wealth, mm. you know, through my labor, then I can't boast, I can't say to the poor person, well, look at me, because I'm just working really hard and you don't work. And that's why you're poor and I'm not, because it's my effort. Mm. I have to say, well, no, I, I'm, I, I'm thankful to God for what he's given me the opportunity to do. Mm. And... Um, you know, in a sense, for God to line up the dominoes the way he has. Mm. And 
And therefore, I, I want to have compassion on you because right. it's not, this isn't me looking at you saying you should be like me. You know, you just didn't work hard enough. It's me saying, man, this is a gift mm -hmm. that I've been given and it's not of me. So I, I need to have compassion on people. Right. Um, and um, and that, that, that type of thing. And it, it, it would be like in the, in the realm of putting it with a, a wife and her husband who, who fell back into pornography. When she says, like, you know, I don't struggle with that. I have not done that. I have been strong enough to do it. You know, what she's saying is that, you know, what she's not saying is that God has given her a gift in, in that area not to struggle mm. or not to feel tempted in that area, yeah. though it's all around her as well. Yeah. You know, um, that that is a that is a wonderful gift of God, mm. you know, to not move in that direction. And me speaking with a lot of husbands we would love that gift. You know, I don't, I haven't really spoken to many husbands that would be like, yeah, I don't really want that gift. You know, yeah. these dudes are, you know, the, the, the ones that are really trying that it's not, like I said, it's not a result of them sure. being like whatever, but the ones that are really trying, they would be like, dude, I would, I would give anything to not struggle with this dude. Like I hate this. Yeah. But I would do anything to stop it. And yet they still, struggle yeah and what i think what you have to understand is when a a a, a woman or a man or a child or a kid struggles with lustful inclinations it doesn't mean that you just get rid of pornography and everything goes away yeah that's a fallacy you can get rid of all the porn in the world and it doesn't mean peter doesn't struggle with pornography because you amputated everything mm. No, you still struggle with it. Yeah. All you've done is you've just, you've just tried to lessen the amount of fight that you have. Yeah. You know, uh, you've done what the Bible says to make every effort to um, not give way hmm. to these areas. Um, you know, and meaning we don't want to help the enemy, <laughs> you know. Um, so that's where amputation comes in. But by all means, if if just because you take your child and you say, hey, we're going to take off your phone, we're going to take off this, we're going to take off that, we're going to do this, it, it would be naive to think that that kid is not going to struggle with lust. Mm. That, is, that is very ignorant mm. of the sinful nature that we have. Um, and so when a wife says to her husband, uh, you know, I can't believe you're still doing this. I can't believe you did this. You know, what is, what is, you know, are, are you seeing things that through grace, you know, that, that your purity is a gift of God mm. and it's not of you. And, and that your husband, you see that he wants that gift too. Yeah. And Which is proven by the fact that he's confessing. Absolutely. Because yeah. in our analogy, I'm not, we're not saying that you bust in the room and it's the 20th time that week you know <laughs> and and he's still yeah. doing it yeah and he hasn't told anyone and he's not he's not put up any amputation and he's just doing it yeah that's a different scenario but if your husband comes to you broken and is like honey you know i'm so sorry you know i view porn again that's a totally different situation that's a different scenario yeah that's someone who wants the graces of god to be working in his life who is who is making efforts to do so yeah and who's still struggling it'd be weird if a just think if a wife struggled with pornography. She struggled with sex chatting. She studi studied with or struggled with whatever it was. And by the way, again, I mean, a as the stats go on in our culture, it's going to come out more that more women are going to view more porn and they're going to view more hardcore porn. So don't be surprised at all when you hear more stats on this. You shouldn't be like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. It's just sex is normal and lust is part of the sinful inclination for all gender or even fluidity so you, you don't even have to name a gender <laughs> isn't that cool yeah that's like total modern isn't yeah. it fluidity <laughs> but right. um, what you caught um but even if uh, a wife is struggling with pornography 
And say she goes to the husband and says, you know, man, you know, I've been doing well for six months, but I stumbled. What if that husband says to her, I can't believe, you know, what a bummer. I'm hurt. This totally bums me out. Um, you know, it's about him. It's all about him. And and he he fails to see something amazingly beautiful. Mm. You know, and that is she went six months <laughs> without acting out. Yeah. And that is amazing. And I'll, I'll, I'll put it this way. You try to go six months without your struggle. Mm. And you tell me how you do. Yeah. You know, Christian, yeah. you know, really how you do. I mean, if you are really wanting to be an honest Christian, mm. you really try to go six months without dealing with pride, mm. arrogance, greed, mm. you know, envy, jealousy. Mm. You know, what gets, what gets you, Christian? Mm. What are you unwilling to give up? Are you willing to give up your house? Are you will- this is where Jesus cuts us like a knife, where he says, are you willing to give up all mm. and go sell to the poor? And the answer is no. I don't love like that. And and that you you know that is convicting. Mm. Um, that we we see that there's something rooted in us that we need to desperately be dealt with. Mm. And that is probably the biggest danger of pride, is that pride. Pride blinds you to your other faults. It blinds you to the fact that you have struggles at all. Uh, John 8 is a great example of that, where Jesus is saying, he's telling this amazing sermon to them about he, how he's the light of the world and how he's come to save us. And he says, man, if you abide in me, you're going to abide in my truth, and my truth is going to make you free. And the response from the people is not like, oh, praise God, you know, like we've been in bondage our whole life, you know, set us free. Their response is, we're not in bondage. You know, so you see there that like the problem, the issue is, is that Jesus, Jesus's arms are open and he wants to set all of us free, but you can't free the unwilling. You know, Harriet Tubman, very famous woman who worked on the Underground Railroad uh, during uh, during the times before the Civil War, freeing slaves from the South, bringing them to the North. And she was famously quoted by saying, I have freed a thousand slaves, yet I could have freed a thousand more if only they knew they were slaves. You know, and that's a powerful quote because what, what she's saying, which is true, is she would go down there and she would talk to people and be like, man, let's go. I'm going to bring you up to the north. You're going to be set free. And they'll be like, what are you talking about? You know, I'm, yeah, I'm fine. It's, we're not that bad. Yeah, we're not that bad. You know, you don't put your trip on me. You don't come from the north and tell me I'm a slave. You know, how dare you? You know, you get offended. And a lot, if, if you're listening to this right now and you're offended, you're like, how could you, how dare you tell me that I have struggles in my life? That's pride, man. That's what it does. It denies that there's a problem at all. Where we see that the people in the Bible that truly got near to God, the people in the Bible that really got close to him, man, they got leveled. You know, Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah, see, Isaiah, pretty good dude, sees God, hits his face. Doesn't even hit his knees. He hits his face and says, Woe unto me, I'm a man of unclean lips from a people of unclean lips. Joshua. In the book of Zechariah, who's the high priest, stands before God, and all he's got is filthy rags on, you know. And God has to give him new ones. You know, you have the, even the apostle John, a dude who hung out with Jesus for years. When he sees him in his resurrected body in the book of Revelation, he almost faints, like he just falls down. He's just like, dude, I'm I'm unworthy. The people who really get close to God are the people who really understand their fallenness. You know, if you, if you haven't really, if you don't understand how fallen you are, that's because pride is blinding you. It's because pride is blinding you from the truth of what's really going on in your life. It's yeah. preventing you from seeing your depravity. And what's interesting is uh, another Pascal quote is that the incarnation, meaning Jesus coming on the scene, mm. one of the things that shows is the misery, the greatness of our misery, he says. Mm. Meaning it's weird that we, uh, as Christians, are become prideful because 
Jesus coming, just the fact that God, the Logos, the Word became flesh, mm. the created force of the world, of the cosmos, became flesh, shows the greatness of our misery. Mm. That God would go to that length, mm. you know, to to reach in. Yeah. And, um, you know, to change us, mm. to make us new. Uh, that alone is a humbling act. I mean, uh, it's a humbling of, of us because it makes us go, wow, we really need a lot of help. <laughs> yeah, we do. I mean, the best example of that in the Bible is Luke chapter 7, I believe it is. It's either 7 or 13, but it's where Jesus goes to a man's house named Simon to eat dinner with him. And the man's treating Jesus like a like an equal. Like he's just like, hey man, Jesus, great you stopped by. You know, he's eating a meal with him. He's he's rapping about philosophy or theology. Who knows, you know? Yeah. And this woman comes in and she just falls at his feet and starts crying on his feet and wiping his feet with her tears. And this dude, this Pharisee, he looks at her and he's just like, man, what a sinner. You know, how could Jesus even let her touch him? That's disgusting. And Jesus tells him a story and he's like, dude, let me tell you a story, right? There's There's a master and two people owe him a debt. You know, one person owes him like a million dollars. The other person owes him like 500, you know, and he forgives both the debts. You know, who's going to love him more? And Simon goes, well, obviously the person who he forgave more. And Jesus says, you've rightly answered. For he who loves much forgives much. And he who loves little, the same has been forgiven little. And this woman has sinned much, but she is forgiven. And you could either interpret that story one of two ways. You could either say the reason, the difference between Simon and the woman and the reason why the woman loved Jesus more is because she sinned more than Simon. And so if you want to love Jesus, you better start sinning because then you'll love him more. Or you can interpret the story of saying Simon and the woman were equally sinners. Only the woman knew it. And that was the difference. And I think that the first interpretation of the story is heretical. You know, sure. it, would be, it would be completely heretical to believe that Jesus would be encouraging sin. So obviously we have to believe the second story that you cannot, you cannot look at yourself and see yourself as superior to anyone because that's pride working in you. And the beautiful thing is, is that Lewis in his book, he said, he says this, we must not think pride is something God forbids because he's offended at it or that humility is something he demands as due to his own dignity, as if God himself was proud. He is not in the least bit worried about his own dignity. The point is, he wants you to know him, wants to give you himself. And he and you are two things of such a kind that if you really get into any kind of touch with him, you will in fact be humbled, delightedly humbled, feeling the infinite relief of having for once gotten rid of all the silly nonsense about your own dignity, which has made you restless and unhappy your entire life. I wish I had got a bit further with humility myself. But to get even near it, even for a moment, is like a drink of cold water to a man in a desert. Mm. You know, so what he's saying is that the solution, the solution to your pride, the solution to my pride, is nearness with God. Is nearness with God. Because when you get close to God, he is so superior to you, you can't help but feel humbled. It would be like if you pride yourself on playing basketball, if you're like, man, I'm a really great basketball player. You know what a great way to, to humble yourself? Yeah. Go play basketball with like an NBA right. player. You'll be humbled real quick. You know, like when he starts sinking threes on you and just messing you up, you'll be like, I don't know if I'm so good anymore. <laughs> you know, if you want to continue to feel proud, keep playing people that are worse than you and you'll feel great about yourself. If you want to keep feeling proud as a Christian, keep hanging out with people that are worse than you or at your level. If you want to be humbled, start hanging out with Jesus and he'll humble you real fast. Yeah, you know, because that's just his nature. It's not like he's forcing you to be humble. It's just it's his nature. But what C.S. Lewis says at the end is like to get near it, to get near it is like freedom, man, freedom from all your worry and your stress and your envy and your jealousy and all these things that are holding you down. You get rest. Man, and is, don't you want that? You know, Don't you want Jesus to 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 give you rest for once? Yeah. And he's the only one who can. He's the only one who can bring the right focus hmm. with all the areas that we struggle with. Yeah. He can bring it in the right focus, the right balance, so to speak, 
where, you know, again, Pascal makes that great idea that, that, you know, we, we understand that we're sinners and drawing close to Jesus brings us to a place of just understanding the greatness of our misery. Mm. But it also lifts us up out of the depressed state, mm. you know, and that's what the gospel does mm. is it shows us our misery and it also shows us, gives us the capability um, to hope. Mm. And that is something we need. So for for husbands and wives, we hope that this this podcast on pride is one that's beneficial mm. um, for us, certainly. Um, um, it's for uh, for you guys. And, you know, um, if you have any questions on these matters, certainly give us a buzz. Me and Peter would love to uh, take your guys' questions. You can always email us at bo at runninglight.org or peter at runninglight.org. And um, we also have Bethany at runninglight.org who works with our wives. And we have Lisa at runninglight.org who works with our, um, she kind of heads up uh, our counseling. She kind of, even though we do free counseling at Running Light, um, sh- she has her own practice, but w- but she kind of oversees us and, and uh, helps us through uh, what we're doing, <laughs> 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 which is great. Yeah. And uh, then we also have uh, Megan who works um, and facilitates uh, the, the women who struggle with lustful inclinations and um, she has a small group and we would love to see that grow mm-hmm. but um, uh, we're just going to be patient with that you know but she's making at runninglight.org so check it all out and we hope this was uh, a blessing to you guys it certainly was for Peter and I okay be blessed and remember Psalm 36 8 come drink from the river of God's pleasures uh, talk to you guys later bye bye check out runninglight.org to begin our two video series take flight and love or lust You can also send us questions on Twitter at Running Light or on our runninglight.org podcast page. Like us on Facebook at Running Light Ministries, Psalm 36.8. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures.